Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who owns a totally not racist magical Asian stuff blender. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and uh, I just believe in in my heart of hearts, everything, everything east of Afghanistan. It's the same. I mean, but they apparently also including also, Afghanistan. Also some of Afghanistan. Also just Basically including everything. anywhere, essentially anywhere east of, I would say, probably like... The Caucasus. Yeah. I was uh, going to say like Germany. Yeah. It just all goes in the fucking book. It's <laughs> all Asia at this point, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greece, uh, southern Italy. These places are all basically Asia, right? Before we get started, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. We do a non-criterion film. Our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch, usually from a list I put together, but sometimes from lists that the users themselves submit. Sometimes a muse visits you in your sleep and bestows a list upon you. It's true. Sometimes I'm just sitting in a trance. Yeah, sometimes you lose control of your body. There's a witch somehow. You've probably had a lot of not very good grain and have ergot poisoning. Stuff like that. Who knows knows where any of these lists come (laughs) from? Right. Sometimes I see a list dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. (laughs) In the clearing. (laughs) The list is naked for some reason. Those are usually the very bad lists, actually. We'll blame the devil. (laughs) Yes, we'll blame the devil. He's a cool fellow and all, but, you know, he's out to fuck with you. That's why we ended up watching... uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Yeah, yeah that's, a de- that's a devil recently. list if I've ever that's seen one. That's a devil one. list. Yeah. You and your damn <laughs> piss-poor fiddle-playing, Adam. God damn it, man. <laughs> it's, Practice! It's my fault. It's my fault. Oh, man. All of our devil tropes rolling in. <laughs> I know. I you love it. Make a it's, cross- it's, Do you want to make a Crossroads reference before we... No, uh, we're, we're good. We're good. I, you know, okay. my, my tendency All is right. to start heading towards the Futurama devil because I think it's the funniest version I of see, the devil. Yes. No, he's a good one. He is a good one. Um, My preferred devil is always been bedazzled the oh yeah bedazzled. i mean that yeah that's uh, fair yeah. which we did for a bonus list a uh, long time ago we did uh, uh my favorite cinematic satans and bedazzled won the list a dollar gets you access to that entire back catalog of episodes gets you the vote on the new episode for folks who can uh, afford it and help keep us going we do have a slightly higher tier at five dollars and greatly appreciate anyone who can do so really helps pay our server bills uh, and the and the Criterion Channel subscription, but we do like to uh, we like to thank those five dollars supporters on air. Uh, it's literally what the tier is called. Here, hear someone say your name. So here we are saying your name. Thank you, Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer, our current five dollars supporters. It didn't attract as many lonely pe- uh, pensioners as I thought it would, but you know, yeah, yeah, maybe someday. Yeah. Uh, we're all steadily marching toward being right, right. Eventually, it will just out of like default. But yes, I mean, we use the term pensioners, but but that's none really of us are going to have a pension term now. Yeah, yeah. No, no one, no one has none a pension. None of us will actually have a pension. That's that's <laughs> badness. Yeah. 
Um, at least none of our U.S. based. I'm I'm just hoping that at some point uh, the 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 sometimes talked about Japanese euthanasia bills will come into effect early enough that I don't become a burden for my family. That's my only hope. Oh, little real we'll talk. That. <laughs> yeah. Uh, above that five dollar mark, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art once a month based on a movie we've watched recently. I get that printed up as a postcard, write a little personalized thank you note, and mail it off to our $10 and above supporters. Thank you so much to them, uh, Adam Speakerman, Tracy McGrath, Nina Bajnak, Jason Westhaver, and Patrick Yako. Yes, thank you all. If you want to check out those postcards, you can head over to redbubble.com. You can look at them for free. They don't cost anything to look at. Yeah. Search for Lost in Criterion over there. You can check them out. Uh, you can uh, peruse them as just the gallery, as Pat said. Uh, which is really why the whole Redbubble exists was a way yeah, to basically let for people us to see like this artwork. Publish it, yes. uh, but but also you can purchase them as postcards, as greeting cards, as stickers, as buttons. Some of them when the artwork worked out, um, a few other things sort of randomly in there as well. Because Redbubble has a lot of choices, and someone requested a T-shirt once. Yeah, uh, I mean, feel free to request something. Oh yes, it may take certainly. us a while. But I have been producing the art at a much higher resolution recently, so uh, yeah. the problems we ran into at the last request should not rear their ugly heads this time. Right, right. The old, the older art had to be upgraded. Yeah, I had to, to actually uh, remake to work the art. out for larger, yeah, larger things. Uh, but yeah, it's really neat. You can see them, yeah. and we've we yeah, we've uh, we sold a couple of uh, were they? Was that? Uh, that Greek movie, um, the Greek. Oh, what thriller. is the name of that? It starts with a Z By or something. Casagavas. I think it is just called Z. Is it just called Z? Yeah, um, we sold a couple, a couple of Z cards in the nice. last month for some reason. Hey, yeah. it's an. I, I, I think it's a nice piece of work. Uh, it is, it a is nice one piece of ones work. that's I just done don't by understand. Hand, not on computer. Uh, you can I don't usually understand why two of them would get sold. Is is the thing? Uh, well, they're not wedding. <laughs> they're so few and far between then. that any sales stuff. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go yeah, well, with well, not birthday two card? in one order, not two in one order, one one and then a week later another one. Oh, weird. Uh, I have yeah. I don't have an excuse anyway. for that. Thank you so much to everyone who has purchased anything off that Redbubble. Thank you everyone who has supported us through Patreon, and thank you for listening. Well, Pat, this week we are once again to a film that should have been a bonus feature. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know it really, really should have. I mean, I mean, it is a whole film. I mean, it is it is an entire film, so it yeah. has that to recommend it, I suppose. Um, yeah, this it, this happens every so yeah. often, where one a big a big Criterion release with a lot of bonus features, just an over full release, um, also is in reference to a different movie in some way. Right. Um, the la- one of the last times this happened was uh, with uh, with Paul, Schreier, uh, Paul Schrader's Mishima movie. Right. Um, and directly after that, they showed us a, the, a short film as its own separate release, uh, a short film actually made by Mishima that should have been a bonus feature on the Mishima thing, mostly so that we didn't have to spend two weeks talking about Mishima. Right, right. Uh, but... Uh, last week we talked about Topsy Survey, Mike Lee's uh, Gilbert and Sullivan biopic about the creation of their play, The Mikado. 
uh, well, play their their light comedic opera, the Mikado. Right. Uh, be accurate, accurately describe the Gilbert and Sullivan's pieces. Uh, don't want those Gilbert and Sullivan heads to get mad at us because they're going to be mad at oh, us. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to be mad basically about yeah. everything I say. So, <laughs> and like the amount of um, bending over backwards that even the people in the documentary had to do. Like yes, yes. Come on. So as it is its own stand standalone release, there is an hour of bonus materials, a little under an hour of bonus materials for the Mikado itself. Now, this film is maybe arguably important in its own right in that nebulous importance that uh, that any criterion has to be justified with. Right. It is the first recording of a is the first film version of a Gilbert and Sullivan opera. Um it is I read one place. Uh it's not listed as this in the Wikipedia and and because of that I maybe find it hard to believe, but maybe not. Um it is apparently the first Technicolor film released in the US by Universal. Really? I mean I, I guess yeah. it's I mean I don't yeah, I guess so. Interesting. I mean the timing certainly right. Right, yeah, no, I yeah, it is. I, I was just more thinking like I don't know that I mean I guess I can I can see why you would um you would go with some something like Gilbert and Sullivan, right? Like you already it, it's the same yeah. reason why you um why American like modern American cinema of what you know is just reproducing the same thing over and over again, right? It's like it's it's a proven <laughs> concept, so you're gonna do your first technicolor. It's pretty expensive. It's pretty, uh, you know, it's a little risky, and so you can kind of uh, some mitigate risk by by making it a thing that everybody already like in theory knows. I suppose, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it's got that for. It, right? I mean, I guess that I in my mind that that kind of make that would make sense to me. Also, it is yeah. a, it is a. Intentionally very fantastically colored thing Right, right Yeah Being from 1939 It's certainly early on the list But uh, I I do find it hard to believe That it was Universal's first one put out Right Um, Now 1939 is the same year uh, uh, The Thief of Baghdad Which we've seen Came out Uh, It's the same year The Wizard of Oz came out So that sort of Uh Fantasy Technicolor is a thing that's right. happening in other studios. Um, and, you know, Technicolor's great for it because Technicolor Makes can very easily feel fanciful. Yeah. yeah. Incredibly, like, yeah. almost hyper-real, like, hyper-bright, yeah. hyper-realistic colors. Yeah. yeah. Very dreamy colors often, yeah. if applied correctly. There is importance here as a film, I guess. Yeah. If, if one wanted to argue that. Um, and Criterion... Sometimes wants to argue that, like, like with the, uh, you know, way back with uh, Armageddon, you know, Criterion made a. Well, a I mean, was that Criterion or was that our friends? Well, the Criterion, the Criterion essay defended oh, okay. it, not uh, Stephen, who who guessed it on the episode. Stephen Goldmeyer, our dear friend, um, made a spirited defense as a film that changed the, uh, changed the way, uh, action films were shot. And, and and sort of the the language of action films, you know, prior to Armageddon, them being sort of lone lone wolf action films were very the common thing, 
and after Armageddon, that big bombastic blockbuster right, right. Uh, ensemble film became more normalized. The Criterion essay was written by one of Michael Bay's film professors, and she uh, she defended his um, his use of explosion as as artistic. Uh, in its I mean, own right, he sort which... of put that notion to rest later on on his own, right? I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, but yeah. Um, so you know, uh, Criterion is going to Criterion, and it's right, it is right. primarily a money a money making venture. Um, the Mikado is definitely in here. Just, I mean, Mikado is a way to get two out of was. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a right, way. Right. It's we've talked about this before. They, every time this happens, they have a choice. And yeah, I mean, legitimately, maybe. Although I think we're pretty much past this at this point. Like, legitimately, maybe when you get it, you're in, talking about the DVD releases. You're like, well, I'm already gonna have to print two fucking discs for this shit. Like, this right, is right, this right, is right, this right. worth of material. Um, so you're we're in like, the blue. Well, why why not get paid for both of them? Um, I think I feel like yeah. usually they make that call based on like whether they think the thing, the second one, is gonna be able to sell. The Mikado seems like it would underperform, personally. But then again, people like Gilbert and Sullivan, so maybe just like being able to have access people? to Gilbert and Sullivan, like plays in a. It's just is so, is just enough of an inherent money maker that you could just do it. You're like, well, the rights right. sell themselves. Like you you buy the rights and and they pay themselves back because, yeah, it people want like enough people want to be able to watch. A, I mean, like, I like watching theater in film format. Like, I don't even oftentimes need them right. to put any effort into it. Like, I I get to go to the theater so rarely that I honestly even find the most bare minimum versions enough. You know, it's like, all right, thank you. Right. You 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 gave me something comparable. I could turn the lights off in my in my room and sort of pretend I'm at the theater. The other thing that sort of uh, sort of gets us here is that this is, I think, the only Gilbert and Sullivan film adaptation that uses um, members of the Doyle Carte Opera Company. Right. In it. Well, especially since it. When did it like go out of business and cease to exist? They talk about it in that documentary, but I don't know if I caught the exact date. Uh, well, <laughs> um, technically, I think it went out of business in the eighties, right? But the way uh, they're talking about it, there's they, some. It clearly at some point it ceases to be the thing it is. Yeah it it since since 1988 they have occasionally existed again. Or something under its name, uh-huh. with with its pedigree, has occasionally existed again. Since 1988, the Revide Company has used guest artists for each production. So it looks like they sort of, kind of, still exist. Yeah, but, but you know, even the really. people in this thing were kind of like, uh, when it essentially yeah. stopped existing at <laughs> right, that right, point. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um. Yeah, Doyle Cart was um, was Gilbert and Sullivan's production company. You know, their, another made-up sounding British name. Yes, absolutely, Doyle Cart. Um, it sounds it sounds like it's, it should be a pun, 
that I'm not getting. Right. Yes. Right. It code. sounds like a yeah. pin name, and I'm just yeah. too stu- stupid to understand. <laughs> right. 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 Um, but yeah. So they own the rights to Gilbert and Sullivan as a as a family owned company. Um, and this is you know this is the first time they've given up film rights to it. Uh, they were convinced by uh, one of the producers of this film as a former uh, music director for the company. So yeah, I get, there is there is interest here, and people like Gilbert and Sullivan. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think not, we have to. Exa- me, I, I but, understand, but why other it's people in here. I, I, yeah, I, 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 it is, it is. This is one of those ones where it's right on the on the ragged edge between it's like okay, but like, did it need to be a its own release? Hard to say, but you know, it's good enough, right? It has enough merit yeah. of its own, and it, but you know, and it is a rarely seen thing from the Universal Archive and that's something else that Criterion likes to do is get get stuff that is extant but old and and not firmly available from even major studios right. and get it put out and obviously this is a, this is a joint production with uh, with uh, companies out of Britain uh, in fact the uh, the film the film production company that actually made this film is called Gilbert and Sullivan Films um, it was created to make this movie, uh, and created to convince the the doily carts to uh, sell the rights to them. Basically, uh, there were discussions of doing all of Gilbert and Sullivan as film, and the Mikado was not the first one that they were going to do. I can't. Remember I mean, what was uh, yeah, I, I find that fascinating because, like. I'm really torn on, like, I'm not torn on the Mikado. Okay, let's be clear here. The actual thing, yeah. I'm not. But, like, um, I'm confused. Like, I never, like, registered the Mikado. Because that's never the one that I see ever, like, talked about. You know what I mean? Like, I think probably because of, I don't know, the racism. Um, it's It's still pretty commonly staged. See, well, that's the thing, right? But I never encountered it really other than, like, in passing as a name. Whereas, like, yeah, I've been exposed actively. People have actively exposed me to parts, bits, and parts of the other ones, and and you know, yeah. And so it's like kind Pirates of confusing of to me that like yes. I get why this is the first one, uh, but at the same time, it's like the other ones are are like maybe more. I don't know. I I think because this exists in a in a what people imagine to be essentially a sort of fantasy world, it feels less period bound maybe in some ways yeah yeah and and often uh often modern stagings update things um visually or uh i ran across an image from a 2015 uh uh i think it was in wisconsin somewhere in the midwest that uh that all of the costuming was done in a very uh anime style i hate it Uh, more somehow i yeah, no, I almost you're sent not, you a you're picture of it. You're not fixing the fundamental core problems. You're no. amplifying No, them. certainly not. Like, when they, when yeah. I've read about the ones where they're like, well, we can, the story essentially works wherever. So we, where they put right. it, they're like, okay, well, now it's in, like, fucking, like, Venice or some shit. It's like, okay, well, you fixed yeah. most one, of the problems now. Good. Like, congratulations. One. Like, all you had to do was yeah. not make it insanely racist, and we're good to go. While I was waiting for you this morning, while you were finishing some things up, I watched uh, various versions of the Lord High Executioner's song, I've Made a Little List, which is 
was shot for this film but cut from it and it's one of the bonus features is some deleted scenes and that song's in it uh and that's that's a song that gets updated all the time uh because it's a list of cultural references from the time right that gilbert wanted to skewer um and one of the versions I watched was a more Japanese-inspired version from Australia. Okay. Uh, Costuming-wise, I mean. And one of the versions I watched was Eric Idle, um, seemingly from the 80s. Uh, but Eric Idle performing it with the British National Opera, and all of the costuming was very British. It was... Uh, one of the justifications of the Mikado is that, yes, it's about the Japanese, but it's really about. Well, it's really and, a, and a, I, a mocking I, I gave of, them a lot more credit, I think, than they deserved uh, last time yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. about that kind of stuff. And I rescind some of my my credit that I gave them <laughs> in terms of like because yeah. like the the I will say the Wikipedia paints a much rosier picture. Than what I actually oh, yeah. watched in terms of yeah. uh, like it's there is how much it's so like much. oh it's just about it's just about England it's just about Britain well yeah yeah your jokes sort of are but are they like you know I mean yeah it's we we will have to actually get into this at some point as a part of this yeah. podcast Might as well I, I mean my point is is like. You are doing that in a way that, like, you're trying to cash in on what is a craze at the time. Yeah. So already you're doing you're doing Orientalism. One of the people who speaks in the bonus feature, uh, the bonus feature are interviews with, uh, or short talking headpieces with Josephine Lee and Ralph McPhail Jr. Who and are, they I are guess, both Gilbert and Sullivan scholars, basically, right? Yes. Right. 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 And Josephine Lee. Um, teaches uh asian studies as well um and they well her approach they do the thing that people do that the wikipedia does which is sort of bending over backwards to give it a lot of credit so as to like because the problem you run into right is you have this thing and, and we see this all the time with with modern media too right you have this cultural piece right where you don't want to just sort of relegated to the dustbin of history because you, you, you recognize it has artistic merit, right? But you have to deal with the fact that, like, well, A, it, it's quote-unquote a product of its time, but, like, that's always a kind of cop-out in and of itself, right? It's right, also right, right. just got a bunch of Orientalism and racism in it, okay? And so yeah. you say to yourself, like, well, how are we going to deal with this? And the problem is, is I think they arrive at the wrong a, a, a wrong-headed approach because it's it is the sort of like liberal approach to it, right? Which is like it is. Which is like you try to justify it. You don't just say, "Hey, right. look, this thing is full of a bunch of fucking Orientalism. Those things are bad." Yes. End of sentence. Right. In least we think there are there becomes... are other cultural like there are other cultural things in here that make it worth not throwing away. So please enjoy, but bear in mind. It's it's what the what uh, what the, who who did that? Um, is it which of the two cartoon companies did that with their works? And oh, I think I think sort of everyone's done. That well, with no, their I know, works. but the so first I, I think but... to do it was was Warner Brothers. I think no, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably one of them. But like where they just released it 
and said like, "Hey, look, this is really, really full of yeah, trash." Put okay, a, like for real. Put a tub. Lots of garbage in here. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Warner Brothers has definitely done that with like Tom and Jerry, right. With the Mammy character and and some other things. Josephine Lee sort of makes the argument that Gilbert isn't in writing this wasn't participating in the Orientalism craze, but was poking fun. At well, the so she craze. she makes a, a reasonable. She gets into a sort of po, a post postmodern argument with herself a little bit, <laughs> right? Which is right. which is reasonable, right? She's an Asian studies scholar. She has to do that. Like, that's part of her her thing, right? Yeah. Is that like, look, and in doing that, it is also a part of that that Orientalism craze, right? right? Like, right. you can't, you don't get to remove yourself from culture when you produce culture, right? Like, you can't, and and that's, it's all very reasonable, but that's a very scholarly approach to this, which is yeah. fine, but it's still doing one of the things that scholarly approaches to this do, which is a sort of kind of whitewashing, right? Which is like, hey, we can't tell you that this thing might, part of this might just be garbage or we can yeah. but yeah. we really want you to still watch it right uh which is fine i understand why that's true uh i'm not even arguing that there's not some sort of artistic merit here although god damn i yeah. gilbert and solvent songs make me want to kill myself most of the time it's, i should i should specify because i pulled up her her credit uh she teaches asian american studies particularly um and drama and theater history uh, and, she, I, and I feel like to uh, a certain extent, the, the the drama and theater history is is a kind oh, yeah. of brain poison to that conversation, right? Yes. In the sense of like, yes. no, this is important works in the pantheon of of theater. So therefore, I can't just purely regard it right. in in purely as, as garbage. Yeah, yeah, I can't just like immediately write it off. Which she is had, you know fine, I guess, but. Her her credit for the Criterion video, um, at the time she was working at the University of Minnesota. I can't speak to whether or not she's she's still there, but uh, she had just written a book called the Ch- the Japan of Pure Invention, Gilbert and Sullivan. And that's the album. problem is they make everybody the Wikipedia included makes an argument that this is a Japan of fantasy. The Wikipedia yeah. goes hard in on this idea as a well, sort of justification. It's not a Japan of fantasy. It's a Japan of ignorance. Yeah, <laughs> and it, and it, it has a lot of. It's actually what makes it worse is it's well a like we talked about this last week like like I said Jonathan Swift had the decency to just make up a place yeah and not like kind of pretend that it's a real place like and it borrows just enough to be super racist you know yeah. what I mean like I talked about our sort of like Asia blender uh, in the intro and it's a really yeah. upsetting thing to watch okay like legitimately. It's it, like there's so much. It, they just took Japan and like what they imagined Japan, I guess, in the Edo era. I don't fucking know because this isn't even the Japan they're interacting with at this point. Uh, right. And and took like the Orientalist version of China and just slammed them together like Hulk style. There's all kinds of fucking weird curly cues on shit for some reason. Have nothing to do with anything. There's just all kinds of weird Chinese accents on top of like seemingly semi-Japanese designs, and I'm not yeah. trying. I mean, like J- Japanese designs are heavily influenced by China, but like it's worth noting that they diverge enough that you can like you 
anybody can just look at the two and be like, well, that one's Chinese and that one's Japanese. That one may be in Japan because, you know, of various reasons why that might have been built in Japan, but it doesn't change the fact that that's a Chinese design. And right. and this guy, the guys, they just don't fucking care. There's like Tibetan shit in there. It's wild. It's like, what are we doing here, folks? Like, we're just we're just doing, we're just like yeah, but like looking at like turning the dial of labeled Orientalism and turning it up and constantly looking back at the audience. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I can't. It's not um, that's not really excusable. Yes. Uh, you know, and they they retain enough Western references, uh, and the film gets a nice joke out of one of them when the, uh, um, you know, uh, our main character, well, our main character, uh, the main character of the film version, which is uh, Kenny Baker is uh, Nanky Poo, whereas uh, it's sort of recut. There's, I think, there's a solid argument to 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 say Coco's the main character of the actual play, right? Um, but uh, but Nanky Poo has gone into hiding as a uh, as a minstrel, and his uh, uh, his dad, the Mikado, later refers to him jokingly as a as a, gone into hiding as a second trombonist. Right. Uh, but in the film version, we get to see him perform with his band, playing a bamboo trombone. Uh, right. Very, we do see uh, several like of these sort of fantastical instruments. Right. And yeah, yeah, it's I mean, I don't know how to explain like I I mean, uh, I don't know how it's, to talk. It's about this, this weird. It's, it's this weird. I mean, at that point, it becomes a weird, like imposed cargo cult thing that that <laughs> that this this fantasy Eastern culture, uh, of course, has the musical instruments just like ours. Uh, but but they can't make them because they don't have brass or something. So, right. It's, it's and, a bamboo and it's, trombone. It's, and that's what I'm talking like, about. Like, like they're living on Gilligan's Island. Right. And and the thing uh, is, is like it's like, well, and the thing that is really I don't know, man, there's just so much to go into here. Right. Like so like, yeah, we're talking about the 1880s. Mm-hmm. Japan is already completely open to the West at this point. OK, like yes. completely and like has been rapidly modernizing. Right. Never mind the fact that like plenty of like authentic Asian instruments, you know, Japanese instruments right. existed prior to westernization, but like the song that they sing when the emperor comes in is a march from the Boshing War that yes. was considered maybe 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 the first western style march ever made in Japan, maybe. I right. that, the 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 the, the, the authenticity of that is dubious um but it is a it is a march for a modern army using modern equipment played on western instruments right and like and we're going to talk about that march later because my our march is somewhat central to my argument about why this movie is hot fucking orientalist <laughs> garbage okay uh well it seems like we're in the middle of that conversation, well but uh, my, my so point is know. is that like the, doing this thing of like so maybe this is supposed to be happening before it's in a do it's in a nonsensical sort of like fantasy time place of of japan but then it's also just mm-hmm. doing random orientalism towards other parts of like other kinds of orientalism right like the, yeah. the the people in the video talk about the fact that like 
the emperor here is is just essentially a ja- a British stereotype for like Eastern, like right. a Middle Eastern. Uh, yeah, Middle Eastern more than right. anything that sort of a, as this sort uh, of like delight. vicious, like vindictive, like uh, what's the word? Uh, changes torturer. Yeah, I was trying to think everything. of the word for like changes right. at a whim. You know what I mean? The oh yes, um, yes, 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 yes. There's a word yeah. for it. And I can't remember the word. Um, but like, so the I mean the art the 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 one of the reasons why the march is central to my kind of not essentially my argument but central to my way of understanding this is that is a legitimate piece of japanese music right mangled beyond recognition <laughs> right like just butchered and like that goes into the thing it's like you have access to legitimate information about the place you're talking about to the point where you use some of it. But you see no need to be real or authentic, but you pretend like you're being authentic. And that strikes mm-hmm. me as the worst possible choice, right? It's worse than just ignorance. It's it's purposeful. There's a there's a there's an effort here to not do it accurately or not do it completely fantastically and stupidly but to like blend the two together in a way that is indiscernible to your to your audience and possibly to you um right hard to say about that but like you took a real piece of music that exists you mangled the words they are the words but my god i don't know you didn't bother to learn how to pronounce any of them and then even the sort of like phonetic rendering on the screen is nonsensical, right? I had to go look up what words they right. were trying. I ended up going and look up the real piece of music because I was annoyed. I was like, well, we're clearly trying to say Japanese words here, where some of them are coming out correctly, but they're not all coming out correctly to the point where it's muddled enough I can't say tell what they're trying to say. Uh, right. And then I go and look, and just random consonants have, have been changed to make it sound more like baby talk. Right, tiri-poo. I don't know. I don't know. Like, just gesture. Like, I don't even know. Like, do I have to explain this? Like, kind of th- is my feeling, yeah. right? It's like you took yeah real music with real words and then baby talkified it, made the song much more like weirdly oriental, like you know, scaled and everything like that. Because again, it is just a march, uh, and like did all these weird things to it to make the people who it is representing seem stupid. Right. But you took a thing from a real place and did that to it. So you're not yes. now you're not saying like, oh well look at all these stupid British people who are like we're quote unquote trying to lampoon here. You're doing that to Jap to Japan at that point. Right. Like, yeah, right. because like you're using the framing of this place. There's no way your audience is not going to go into that and say, like, ah, you know, I saw you they might say, like, well, that right. can't all be yeah. true, but they don't know. They can't discern it at that, right? At that point, with with the song particularly, if you're ultimately making an argument that this is really about British culture, it's it should have been a real so march, many layers, right? Like it, I, yeah. you could have just done the real march, right? At that yeah. point, you decided and, to poke fun at of Japan. At that point, yeah, you're not poking and, fun so, at Britain I mean, anymore. You're poking fun at Japan. There's also just the base argument that if 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 the point of this were to mock British Orientalism. It is performing British Orientalism for an audience that 
lives British Orientalism. Right, will not be able lives. to tell that you're you're so. mocking their Orientalism. <laughs> yeah. Like it, they, doing, they will be incapable yeah. of discerning that. And you right. are doing, doing it too. You clearly do not. I mean, like some of it is ignorance, some of it is on purpose. And like you don't yeah. know which one's which, do you? Kind of thing, right? Like right, right. You, right. Gilbert and Sullivan, do not know which one's which. You know the the names are all just nonsense syllables. Which that part is um, like that part is what part of what redeems it to a certain extent in the sense that like you didn't bother to even try to make it seem like real real names. But right, then again, right, right. your audience yeah. probably doesn't can't tell, uh, right? Which is also yeah. part of the problem, right? Uh, That's yeah. I mean the names the names are essentially Ching Chong, right? right. Yes, you know, yeah. they're just. They're not. They're not far from it. They're, they I are mean, the, the reason why you can set it in like fucking like any other random place or a made up yeah. place, and no one would be able to tell the difference because as soon as you remove it from the framing of Japan, they just sound like nonsense. Right. Um, yeah. And you know, they, <laughs> this created the term poobah. So so Grand Poobah is not uh, was not already pre existent right. as the high up guy, uh, but the you know the. The beautiful young woman at the center of the the narrative is literally called Yum Yum, right? Uh, which is gross. You know. I can't, I cannot, I cannot overstate that one. Feels like the most gross one. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the most gross one. Uh, <laughs> There's just something very fucked up and like I don't know, like yeah, ob- objectifying about yeah. that entire sort of scenario. Yeah, Nanky Poo, as probably at its heart a a, a play on Hanky Panky, but I don't know. Yeah, the I think so. Probably Hanky yeah. to know to know if that dates. Um, the the third, uh, the third of the three schoolgirls who doesn't really play much into the plot is called Peep Boo, uh, which is just Bo Peep, right? right. <laughs> it's just it's just Bo Peep <laughs> switched. Um. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of. I think she's the third. No, no, she's not. Now I can't remember if she's the third. Uh, right. I mean, I've I've the not, third schoolgirls uh, are not. I've not. I I sort no, of she didn't is. register. She is definitely names. the third. She is the third. She is the third. Um. But yeah. Well, I don't know that her name even gets mentioned in, in the plot at all. Oh, okay. I think it's just it's just a credit, like uh, Pity Singh. Uh, gets mentioned, but she she comes back around and, and functions in the plot again because she's part of the conspiracy to pretend to have killed Nagipu, right? right? Um, yeah. So you know, it's. I mean, it's <laughs> doing the thing. Doing the thing in order to mock the thing is still doing the thing, right? right? And to the and I don't. Of your I, audience, I don't. So. I cannot. I really, really cannot certify. In my heart, that is just doing the thing to mock the thing, right? Like I understand yeah. that we also, yeah, as, a, as a pair, draw the line and say, like, well, as a general rule, you are also doing the thing, right? When you do racist, like joking racism, make fun and, of racism, you're doing racism, right? But like this feels worse than that, like right. on a fundamental level. And, like I no. really do completely understand. I was reading the Wikipedia before when we, last week. I was like. You know, there's a kind of a both sidesism to the Wikipedia about like, well, you know, like it gets protested by Asian American groups all the time. That's why it doesn't get put on as often as it might be otherwise. But you know, and then there's some arguments for why it's you know it's not really or you know racism and Orientalism. Like I'm completely in agreement with those groups. Like it just yeah. this thing is 
kind of really gross. Like I don't, I don't, it really is like, I had a hard time like focusing on the plot in a lot of ways because well, a, the plot's not very interesting. Um, but, uh, some of the jokes are funny, but like the, the plot's not all that interesting. Um, but like, it's just really, really, really super duper bad. Like as far as like, it's, it's sort of Orientalism thing that it's got going on. Right. There's a, there's some trivia I ran across that uh, in so the the play premieres in 1886. Um, Kamatsu Akihito, who was then Prince of Japan, yeah. visited visited England in 1886, and uh, and wanted to see it. Saw it and and laughed at it. Well, um, I thought I thought that they no they I thought the trivia was that they or that's they what banned, I heard. It's presenting well in 1907 then, right. yeah. In 1907 then, there was another state visit by uh, Fushimi uh, Sadanaru, who was also Prince of Japan at the time, um, and uh, and the British, <laughs> the British authorities banned the banned performance of it, fearing that he would be offended, and then uh, and then he showed up actually wanting to see it. Right, and and um, so I we will talk about that in a second. I do want to talk and, about yeah. all, it, like. I I want to you. I think there's the anecdote, but yeah, yeah. There's a there's 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 a solid argument to be made that of course uh, Japanese people seeing this would find it laughable, right? You know. Well, so there's an well, okay. Like there's also there is a performance by the uh, uh, by a Japanese uh, uh, by a Japanese opera company based in. Uh, Chichiru. Well, that's um, more which, of a joke than anything else, because which is also a joke because right? they are yeah. they are doing their own play on that idea. It has not played very often in Japan. It is not a popular right. play in Japan, whereas a lot of classical theater productions get made in, like presented in Japan right. constantly. Not, like I mean, like every major. I'm not trying to make a, has, my Japanese friend. Well, <laughs> but I, I do so want to talk argument, about that but. because. There's a thing, right? Like, it's important to understand that, like, or you know, racism, Orientalism is a sort of extension, of, you know, is a sort of kind of racism. Is yeah. it's worth noting, like, who and how and what it affects when we think about right. like who might or might not be offended, right? So, like, when you're talking about the, you know, an imperial prince, this is a person beyond the scope of like it having any impact on their lives, right? You're talking about right. a person. Who has intense amounts of like social and and at this time physical power, right? Like yes. they can afford to laugh at things because they do not have any impact on their lives. They have no effect, right? right? This is actually right. the same reason I it's a, I brought this up. This has come up a lot, uh, especially when you get into talking about the lived sort of the lived experiences of like Asian Americans versus like the you know what what people in Japan versus what people you know. Japanese Americans versus like even people who are sort of on the boundaries there of society's experience as far as this stuff is concerned, right? Like if you ask a random Japanese person who has no real interface with outside of Japan, whether they find this offensive, they probably won't care right. like at all. And, and there's, and this happens a lot, right? Like where, where like, you know, you, these like stupid Twitter fights happen and stuff like that, where like somebody will be like, well, 
these these Japanese people said they don't care or they don't mind or it doesn't bother them. And the thing that will always come up is the fact that, like, well, that's a person secure in their sort of personal cultural supremacy, right? Like, it's a person who lives in Japan who doesn't interface with the West at all, really, except for through the filter of, like, the nightly news, right? So mm-hmm. they're not not offended because it has no impact on their lives, right? It has no impact on the way people, even if they see them differently, it doesn't matter because what an American thinks about you is irrelevant, right? Right. In that situation, right? If you're going to like, if you run a like a used car shop in like my small town, your interface with America is maybe me if I show up to go buy a car. And in that situation, the cultural, many of the cultural situations are reversed, right? Like I don't, you don't, have to care what an American thinks about Japan. It's just not relevant to you. Um, and so you, but as soon as somebody ends up being on the sort of the edges of that, right, where maybe they do have to interact with, um, you know, an American all the time, or they do have to, or maybe they are Japanese American or something like that, then those things become really, really vital, right? Because that these right. inform the way those people see you, right? The way that you are understood by that community that has an impact on your life and can, can, and can influence the way that your life is lived, right? And so it's like it's always like this really weird thing that happens on, on the internet and I think has happened long since before the internet, right? It's like, well, these people said that this group of people said that they don't mind. It's like, well, yeah, but you asked a group of people for whom they don't, it doesn't impact them, right? Like it has no impact on their lives. And the thing that comes up, uh, you know, with that a lot is like, well, okay, you, you know, it has no impact on their lives, but moreover, like, they, there's a thing that happens a lot where it's like, you'll, you'll ask, like, the, you'll see like a, some really offensive thing happen in America with regards to China or Japan or something like that. And, and, and there's a sort of like, if you ask some random people, they'll be like, well, it's kind of just nice to be noticed, right? It's kind of just nice. To, it's like, instead of taking it as, a, as offensive, it'll be like, well, it's nice that anybody remembered we're here. Uh, right. Which, again, right. comes from a place of power, right? Like, you don't have to care what they think right. about you. And, and, and the problem is, is that, like, something like this does matter to some people because it does influence the way that other people understand you if you have to actually interact with a British person or an American person and something like this is as a sort of cultural artifact will continue to influence the way people interact with you. I mean, maybe, you know, every, a modern audience will look at this and like laugh at it as sort of like, well, this is all very silly and stupid and obviously, but can you tell me definitively that if I, if we show this, and this is not, I'm not arguing that we should ban this movie or something like that or anything stupid right, like that. Right. But if you show this to a third grader in America, do they have the cultural awareness to discern what is real and what is not real? Certainly not. And uh, doesn't does an adult does an American adult? I don't know that that's true. They don't have enough cultural awareness necessarily to be like they'll identify some of the really stupid shit that's like obviously not true. But do they yeah. look at the costumes and maybe say like, oh, well, that seems like it might be kind of a real thing? I mean, it's all trash, but, but like. In actuality, but like, yeah, you know what I mean. And and it's yeah. not an argument no. to ban it or something like that. But it's an argument to say like, hey, that thing is is fundamentally racial in its characteristics, and therefore, right, should be understood that way. 
And and I think that its popularity in America is because it's understood uh, or not because it's understood as racist. I think. Well, right? and then there's a whole um, other thing. I mean, but, but embracing that racism, right? Right, and right. and that's yeah. and that's a problem, right? Like we we as a society, for the most part, I don't know that this is actually true. Okay, I'm going to say a thing that might not be true, but I feel like yeah. to a certain extent, we've moved past. The race is like you know, for example, towards African Americans, the racism as a comment as a joke commentary on racism, as an art, yeah. as a part of art, right? Because we realize at right. some point, like, oh, this just doesn't, no, this, this doesn't just, work. This is bad. Like, all we're doing is this, racism. Actually, we should stop this. The Mikado in Britain is part of a trend of Orientalism, right? And it's, you know, it's 30 years into that trend, really, because that trend started when Japan opens its borders to Britain. Well, I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's part of it, yeah, towards Japan specifically. But yeah. bear in mind, it is an age old. Yes. Japan, right, 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 right. many of the things that happened in Japan happened because Japan saw what happened to China. Yeah. When Japan, right. when, a, when with the with the opium wars and stuff like that. So, you know, right. bear in mind right. that that Orientalism yeah. is not, this is a more of an extension than it is a sort of, you know what I mean? It's an ongoing phenomenon, yeah. right? That, um, you know, the cultural racism as entertainment thing exists in Britain and, and U.S., right? right? Minstrel shows, that sort of thing is what I'm speaking to. Um, but in the U.S., we, that Orientalism aspect really blows up with the Mikado coming well it did exist uh, before bear in mind that like certainly one it of did the, exist before one of the one japan bear in mind which country quote unquote open japan like yes, yes bear yes, in mind yes. that like some of japan's first interfaces like as a whole nation rather than as a sort of isolated limited sort of affair was with the u.s and there was a lot of a lot of exchange happened very quickly and and maybe some of it maybe wasn't quite as popular like broad culturally but like some of the first places that japanese people went after the opening of the borders was were was the united states like it we need to not underestimate just how how good at doing orientalism america is <laughs> like you know what i mean uh it just doesn't necessarily have the same characteristics because it doesn't have the influence of like sort of like uh the continent, right, and continent, the continent's ongoing sort of obsession with orient, right, right, orient, right, right. orientalism as well. That the Brit, the Britain interconnect, we kind of America makes its own sort of version of it, right? That's a little bit isolated, yeah. separate. Well, I, I I bring that up to say that uh, there's a real explosion in orientalism in the U.S. directly related to the Mikado, where uh, family, you know, uh, people would set up Mikado rooms in their house with with mikado inspired uh decorations there was a real there's real commercialism hooked to it that didn't necessarily exist related to the mikado in britain because doily cart had uh a stronger copyright hold, right whereas they didn't have that hold in what, the u.s so, what I would, so anybody could do anything right uh, <laughs> i mean and, and that, that was an interesting sort of tidbit in the in the um in the yeah, documentary, in the, feature. the thing about it is, is what I would argue is all you've done is whether or not that whether or not your Orientalism has branding on it or not. Essentially, right, right, right like right, you right, haven't right, really right, changed right. Yes. the fundamental characteristic because, like those those Japan rooms were common throughout the U.S., in, you know, England, you know, Britain, 
served the con, uh, you know, the the sort of mainland Europe. They were everywhere. Like that was a huge thing. Like you can still find bits and pieces of that stuff floating around, right? Where like people just imported massive quantities, and then they started being made locally inside of Britain and inside of the U.S. Reproductions of stuff. It happened with Saran. The reason I this is a topic that that I'm kind of familiar with is. I live near one of the largest producers of ceramics, of Japanese-style ceramics, that, to this day, okay, come from my yeah. area. It was one of the first places to have, when, when essentially, exports stopped coming out of China, they, they moved the exports to Japan and opened up kilns here, and, like, still produces massive quantities. And they walk, wax and wane in popularity, but, like, you can find those pieces all over Europe, all over the United States to this day... And then you can find right. the re, like the sort of reproductions made by uh, local in the United States and, and Britain, especially kilns producing their own copies, their own versions of it, right? Right. And you get that with uh, kimono and, and and sort of Japanese style silks. Silk was the major export of of Japan right after sort of opening its borders. That that was kind of this this sort of phenomenon. So, and it, and it, we see we cho- kind of joked about it in the last ep- movie or the, with the last movie. You can see the flotsam and jetsam in the movie. The I think Topsy Turvy does a good job of this, actually. Where, like, which one is it? Sullivan? No, wait. Which one's the writer? Which one's the musician? I've lost track. Uh, Gilbert did the writing. Right. So Gilbert's house is chock full of the tchotchkes of previous orientalistic waves. He's got right. Indian stuff. He's got Chinese stuff. The other sort of brief fad-like fascinations of the British Empire, right? Where for like 10 years we were all collecting Indian stuff. And then then for 10 years we were when, when we really like, once they took over, basically took over China, everybody started collecting Chinese stuff, right? Like this right. sort of like, as it and they sort of were all sort of stacked in sort of layers. Like you could almost do like uh, ground layer analysis on it to figure out like how long... Each of those phases right, lasted, right, right, right. and that's yeah. that's true to this day. It's just, it's just an interesting thing that's like, and that that happened in the United States. The difference is that the United States was maybe not quite as involved. You know, India wasn't a going concern in in, um, in the United States really. Like Americans didn't didn't participate in that wave, right? They certainly participated in the Chinese one, um, and and had their own right because like you know this yeah. is also an era where. Uh, United States is staking out claims throughout it, uh, Southeast Asia, right? And so they have their right. own versions of that, right? Um, and so it's... Um, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, eight, when it originally premiered, it was 1886. We're still firmly in the time of, of exploitation of uh, Japanese and Chinese particularly, but, but all sorts of Southeast Asian immigrants for, for cheap labor right, and, right, right. and strike-breaking and that sort of thing. Particularly West Coast. Well, and it's and it's um, and, you know interestingly enough, right? Like not that much. You know, there's a period right where like you know there's a lot of Japanese family owned. Well, there used to be, there was prior to World War II, Japanese owned family farms throughout South. You know, throughout throughout um, California, because many families came over to sort of get into the sort of at the, at that point migrant sort of. Uh, farm workers, and then eventually sort of are able to establish themselves as like actual farm owners, right? It, it's hard for me mentally to sort of separate this thing out from those things, right? And really declare this is a wholly different thing. Kind of has that feeling of like when like somebody gets called out for their like 
there's sexual misconduct. And they're like, well, that, I was just doing a joke. That was just a bit. There's an interesting little sub-example of all of this, too, within the play. Mm-hmm. And it's in the cut song, um, or one of the cut songs. Uh, the Grand High Executioners, uh, I've made a little list, which I already mentioned, is is one of the songs featured. Um, so not only is that the the major place that uh mocking british politicians is at the forefront um and that's what gets updated throughout but it also makes a couple other you know gilbert gilbert's got a lot of take that's at different people and one of the things that gets mentioned is uh let's pull the line up um particularly and i can this is this is the most common modern rewrite of this line. Uh, and I wonder if you can if you can name which word uh, is the one that's a replacement. I won't make you name the word it's replacing. I think I may have read about this already, but please go there's, ahead. There's the banjo sh- serenader and the others of his race and the piano organist. I've got them on the list. Um, banjo serenader. Banjo there being the replacement word. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I read about this. Yeah, yeah. The originally the N word. Right. Um, and <laughs> well, Wikipedia argues that well, at that time, that's not a bad word. Well, yes, yes. That's obviously wrong. Uh, Wikipedia, uh, other sources, and and Wikipedia facilitates that that Gilbert Gilbert didn't understand how bad a word that was uh, in other cultures. Uh, as if, as if the N word is not racist in Britain. Well, and it's um, it's also is there, it, but it gives them the same benefit that it gives them for all the Orientalism, right? Which is like, well, right, right. I mean, yeah, Gil- Gilbert's just a big dummy. That's yeah, all he is. it's just ignorant. It's fine. it's, it's the like stupid. it's the your grandpa didn't know better argument, which is yeah. which is horseshit, right? It's always horseshit. It's always yeah. a way to provide um, cover for somebody that you don't really want to condemn. Because there's, you like something yeah. about what they did or who they were. Right. And then there's arguments that, oh, he wasn't really referencing black performance. He was referencing uh, white people performing in blackface. And that was that's what uh, he was making fun of. Um, it's That is the single line. Like, wh- yeah, like how could <laughs> every, you possibly discern that? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm yeah. glad you have a crystal uh, ball about what he was thinking about. Cool. Right. There's, also, there's a later reference to... Uh, uh, female novelists as as something that shouldn't exist, um, which also gets gets updated pretty often. Uh, but the uh, Gilbert apparently did actually come to recognize that using the N word in this was bad in his lifetime because of Americans complaining about it, um, which I sort of find hard to believe too. Americans complaining well, about that. I mean. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe certainly some Americans. Americans. Yeah, I yes, mean, some Americans but... <laughs> would complain about that. It's just a matter of like, uh, you know, yeah. I'm actually enough, surprised that he was paying attention to them. Enough of is... the sort of Americans that Gilbert would be listening to um, is is really really where I am. But in the cut song, in the filmed version of this from 1939, they don't change that line. I I did not notice it, but I assumed when when we I, when I found yeah. out. So I found out about that. Well, no, it's you know it's in the it's in the cut piece, right, right. Uh, okay. But it's not cut because of this either, and that's something else to to, to get into in a second. But yeah, I um, I was so I read about that when we were doing the last episode, and I was like, oh yeah. shit, like 
Yeah. We're gonna. This is 1939. This is America. We are getting that line, for yeah. sure. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I I kind of didn't hear it, and so I was like, oh, weird. Okay, well, yeah. maybe I maybe I had too little faith. Yeah. Uh, it turns out no, I just misunderstood yeah. that they were cutting so, for time or whatever. So no one really knows why it was cut. No one like left a note that this is why it was out. But general consensus seems to be that it wasn't because of that line, but it's because uh, there's a bit later in the song um, where, uh, like I said, this is the most overt, overtly take that British politics song that exists in the in the original script. Um, so there's uh, there's a sequence in the song um, goes an unapologetic unapologetic statesman of a compromising kind such as what do you call him thingamabob and likewise never mind and just just uh, and, and what's his name and also you know who the task of filling up the blanks i'd rather leave to you uh and the the whole point of that sequence is one the the national censors in britain in in 1885 would not let you call out a particular politician by name um, so this allows them to make, to, uh, you know, let the audience fill in the blanks, like the song says. Right. Um, but also, uh, there's a tradition uh, in performance of, during these lines, um, making uh, body language reference to any politicians or anyone who might be in attendance. Oh, okay. Uh, for instance, there is a, a story of... Uh, Winston Churchill being stared at by the performer of this song during this section uh, of, you know, and, and ultimately this song is about the people no one would miss if, if they were executed by the Lord right, of the Executioner, right. right? The world would be better off without them or whatnot. Um, the reason it is said to have been cut by the, from the movie is that during this sequence in the film, we get cuts to someone who is made up to look like Neville Chamberlain and someone who is made up to look like Adolf Hitler. Of course. Uh, in 1939. And it's 1939, so we're not really committed to the notion that those guys are <laughs> that necessarily our enemies. Right, 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 right. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so that uh, that gets cut for those political reasons seemingly uh, which definitely makes more sense than yeah for any, sure any other reason except for maybe time uh, well but, so that that brings um, up an interesting point though because one of the things I found interesting right is so this is 1939 right presumably production starts like 1938 something like that 1937 or something right so what I find interesting about this and I think it's something that's worth keeping in mind about the choice to use to do the Mikado and stuff like that is that while while the Pacific War had not started, okay? Japan's expansion into Southeast Asia and 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 uh, and and mainland China had already happened, okay? Mm-hmm. Some of it's quite old at this point, right? Uh, I, I, right. Like, so, like, America does recognize, by this point, America is not at war with Japan, but most certainly recognizes Japan as a threat because the other the other powers in Asia and um, Europe have already identified this too at this time is a threat to um, their 
supremacy in that region, right? Right. It, right. It, well, maybe we're not in a hot war. We're certainly in some sort of some sort of like tension period, right? Japan's already yeah, f- like nineteen thirty nine. Japan has already like not. I mean, it's been a while, but like pretty handily beat the shit out of Russia, like which is which is a sort of like. One of those big sort of like, oh, whoa, 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 like what's going on here sort of situations, right? Because the assumption when Japan's opened up is that it would just be another China, right? That it will just be another right. hyper-exploitable like region uh, that can... And, and it seems to go that way for a little bit, right? With massive exports, right? Superly, like really intensely large amounts of exports coming out of Japan initially, right? Uh, that are, pay, which are... Which pay for said armies and stuff. Um, but like... Right. You know, there's no way that as a sort of cultural zeitgeist, people are not aware that Japan poses a sort of existential threat, right, at this point, as a whole, like as a society, right? There's that sort of, that's the sort of thing that starts showing up at the news, right? And, you know, depending on the newspaper, right, it might be posing as like, well, Japan's a sort of like civilizing influence on on the the barbarians of Asia, right? But but just as many newspapers are, sort of like including Japan in that sort of pantheon to point out that like it's a threat to our ability to dominate this fear, right? Um and of course it's all couched in like polite language, right? It's all couched in newspaper language, right? But people are people have started to identify Japan as a threat, right? Um and so you kind of you kind of wonder about like the choice to do the Mikado as your first, you know, you're like, "Oh, we've got to do a yeah. Gilbert and Sullivan play. We're going to do a Gilbert and Sullivan play production for a movie. The first one we've ever done. You know, you got to figure there might be a little bit of calculus in there, too. Yeah. Like about which I don't know. one you choose. I'm not saying that it is because it's all, it would all be just like no, I think, people's subconscious choices, right? But, you know. Right. This, is, this is also the same year the rules of the game comes out, right? Right. Uh, That's what I'm saying know, is like people are aware of the the like war isn't coming war is already here right for a lot of right. people who aren't the U.S. and Britain specifically war already right. has started right? Um, right you know like again like I said the invasions of Manchuria is in like 1932 or whatever 1934 or stuff like that yeah. um, and like and the expansion throughout the rest of Asia has already started as well right like they haven't come into direct conflict yet, generally speaking, where they're taking over previously possessed U.S. territories or anything like that. But, like, the writing's on the wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, if if this had been made a few years later, I might think there would be an act... One, they would have leaned into the racism more. Yeah, even uh, more. And there would have been there would have been an active uh we're mocking our enemy sort of sort of deal to this and and it probably would have actually been performed in yellow face and well, Kirihito ki- would have ki- been it's not quite but it is it is a little bit <laughs> yeah. like i mean there's a lot of makeup yeah. work that's not quite yellow face but it's damn yeah. close in in every production I mean, I was, of this that i've ever seen like i've ever seen pictures of for uh, the film version i was just i was sort of impressed that uh they did uh i I elongation with with just makeup and not spirit tape. Right, so, right. Um, yeah, I mean, little, even that's kind of bad enough, that. right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's um, 
it's just my thing about it is, is my my impression. This is just sort of been my impression from like sort of brief dabbles in history. History is not really my my forte yeah. per se. I have to dabble in it, but it's not the thing I focus my attention on. But like, it's an interesting point of fact that the Hitler and Never Chamberlain stuff is cut out. Yeah, because we're not sure that that's our enemy. There right. are factions in the United States that think they are factions of the United States that think they aren't. We had a, there was an enormous like remember there's that enormous uh Nazi rally in yeah. New York City, right? Yeah. Like whereas I don't think there's a lot of I my impression has never been that there's a terribly large amount of discussion about whether or not Japan is or is not an enemy in the sense that like there's no sort of brotherhood of 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 Aryan race people thing going on there. You know what I mean? Right. So right. it's like that Nazi rally, by the way, also 1939. Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> uh, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like there's, there's a little bit less of a sense that like, this is a group of people we have to maybe will someday be in like league with or in line with. Right. So it's like, I don't know. It just feels like it's all, it's like, I, it's probably mostly a, co- a coincidence, but it doesn't, I can't chalk it completely up to coincidence. Is all I'm saying. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk briefly. We haven't really touched on Mike Lee's 20-minute bonus feature. I did not watch this. that one. Right. I only watched um, the one that I thought I would actually be interested that's a, in, so I didn't no, that's, watch it. That's okay. You chose the right one to watch. Uh, Lee is interesting um, because he he brings it up because obviously – there's there's a part of this Mike Lee interview where Mike Lee doesn't seem to know why he's been asked by Criterion to talk about this movie, Ideal. even though he, even even though it is in relationship to Topsy Turvy, obviously, right, uh, and he knows that. Um, he talks that they used this film as a source for Topsy Turvy, and that's one thing we haven't really talked about yet. Another another aspect of the importance of this film, bit of trivia. That comes up in the uh, Josephine Lee and Ralph Mc, uh, Ralph McPhail uh, stuff is that um, because of the tradition uh, and the the generational importance of tradition within the Doily Cart Company, um, what we see in this film, performance wise, is very close to what performances right. would have been happening on stage at the time, and because of that tradition very close to what what performances would have been happening on stage throughout the history of production of the play right um so lee uses this film as a visual reference for uh some things about the play that end up in topsy-turvy you know it's one of you know we talked last week about just the the thousands and thousands of of tons of material that they had research-wise um, and this was one of them. Uh, but he mostly talks about this movie as if he doesn't think it's very good. <laughs> well, that's it. But that's the interesting thing, right? Is like even our experts in the other documentary are not yeah. 100% it's a very good movie, right? They are. They, do, they, they talk yeah. in a very sort of like technical way about the fact that like blending Hollywood acting with stage acting produces a sort of weird juxtaposition of styles that's maybe not like not really working. Yeah. 
He just describes some bits of it as better than actual doily cart performances of the Mikado, though, which is very interesting, too. He's really of two minds of it. He talks about uh, the the final sequence um, uh, with the Mikado, um, the final scene that sort of ends in the dance party after everything everything's fine, um, being very, very well comedically timed and, and comedically performed. Uh, and better than better than anyone had done on stage to his knowledge. Uh, he talks that his first exposure to this film was in stills of a book he was given about Gilbert and Sullivan Productions uh, as a child, as like a nine-year-old, which sort of... And, and seeing this and it being, oh, what a fantastical-looking thing i really want to see this movie and then he wasn't able to see the movie for many many years because it just wasn't available um and that sort of maybe explains his obsession enough to make topsy-turvy right, <laughs> right, right. this was the thing he's been thinking about a lot of his life um so yeah but mostly funny that he talks about how this was an important piece of inspiration for topsy-turvy and then also about how it's not very good in the play itself it's just but it's still somehow better than any performance of the play. Uh, he's just he goes back and forth so quickly about whether or not he likes it or not. It's hard to tell. Um, one thing he does bring up that I found very interesting. Uh, he particularly mentions uh, Howdy Do and Flowers in the Spring, I believe, um, that they sort of get repeated in the film almost immediately. Right. Um, and that is how an encore would have worked on stage. Um, in in this era, and perhaps still in in opera today, I don't know. I've not been to a a live <laughs> a live theater musical performance. Um, the way encores worked would be if the audience responded well to a song directly at its performance, you would just redo that performance. You would just immediately start right, it again. Right. Um. So, uh, he says that. During, uh, during screen tests for the film, um, they would, this is so fascinating to me, uh, they'd have a projector on standby with another copy of the film uh-huh. so that if the screen test audiences reacted well enough to the screen performances of the, of the songs that if it were a live performance would have justified doing an encore. They'd cut the first projector, turn on the second one and replay the song again. Interesting. And that the double performance of flowers in spring and how do you do in the film are to emulate that because those were ones that were especially responded to well in the screen tests. Huh? Uh, which he points out is, probably a completely unique performance of any film right. in history. Just the fact that they were doing that during the screen test um, is very fascinating. Uh, that is fascinating. Yeah, that most- is a, like that, that sort of stuff is interesting because it's like you're really trying, like it goes to show you though that like you know an interesting thing that you run into with this kind of stuff right that they're kind of addressing there is this like well like live performances have certain benefits that like a, a film can't do 
And like, you know, if you're enough of a, a person who just wants to see plays that you you're just willing to tolerate those sort of like the lack of those things, you'll just put up with it. But like audiences do expect certain things from their from their like musical performances that maybe we've sort of beaten out of them at this point. But uh at some point or another people thought like, hey, I'm supposed to get encores here. Thank you very much. Uh, which is I think kind of amazing. There is an amount of technical prowess in this movie. Uh, it's very well shot. It's early Technicolor. It's you know it could it could have gone badly, right? But it right. is a lovely, colorful film that is fantastical, uh, and that is what they're going for, for better or worse, and it works as what they're going for, whether or not it actually works for us as, right, as right, a right. thing. Um. Yeah. Uh, the costuming is all very silly, uh, but also fairly directly inspired by recent stage productions at the time. Um, there are... There are even points in the film itself that we get that are a little more English court than Japanese court, right? Like the soldiers with the with the long axes standing around the house well and that, and, that, and that's the thing right is that like that's kind of like that to me that almost accentuates the whole thing in a lot of ways that are uncomfortable yeah. right is that like oh you guys could have just done this differently right like right there's a world right. where you just do this in a way that isn't the way that you did this right and 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 yeah it's sort of I don't know why I I kind of can't fully grasp why it's done like why it was made the way it was entirely. You know what I mean? Like I kind of my brain can't fully process why the some of the choices that were made were made. Does that make sense? Yeah. We did a bunch of English court stuff, but also like we talked a little bit about last week. There's there's this split between, you know, the movie Topsy Turvy allows us to see Gilbert pretending to have this fidelity to truth in his you know right. in what he wants to present Japan as and then also just not you know <laughs> and then we do all these you know no one's actually wearing or no one you know everyone's still wearing their corsets everyone's still right, blah, right, blah, right. Blah, all the way down the list um no one's actually being being authentic in their performance um and of course, you know, this is a piece that doesn't actually want authenticity. Right. As much as right. Gilbert might, might claim he wants authenticity, that's not. The authentic portrayal isn't funny. This is parody. This is comedy. This is. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's. I suppose it does succeed for, as that, but also, I don't, you know, it's just not. <laughs> this isn't for me. And I don't know that it's for anyone in this age. Uh, right. It's It, it feels it like no matter what, you're always going to have to be like, well, I watch it warts and all kind of thing, right? It's sort of going right. to be, right. it has to be the sort of tack you take with it, which, fine, okay. Like, yeah. I'm not, but, like I said, I'm not saying you should just completely throw it away, but like, I don't know that, like, I don't know how much it has. Like, in all seriousness, from a personal perspective, I'm not sure what this has to recommend. It's fine. It's not yeah. that amazing, think, all things 
being equal in the world. I think a thing that a thing that the Mikado offers that maybe other other plays don't offer, other other Savoy operas even maybe don't offer that gets it still performed today is that it does it it justifies an opportunity for uh for theater people to go whole hog right right <laughs> to really to really get into it you know this is this is a place where you know every you know any any local production of the mikado gets to do uh gets to really showcase their technical department uh and their costuming department and and gets to express their creativity in a way that maybe feels freeing. Right, um, but my whether, my concern whether they about lean that into is the orientalism or not. Right. Well, that's Obviously, my concern always do. is that like but yeah, but what bounds are you being loosed from? Right. Right. Like I said, I ran across that picture of uh, <laughs> uh, a newspaper article on a Midwest uh, interpretation of within the last 10 years where uh, their sample picture were the three schoolgirls dressed as as uh, anime schoolgirls. Not right. not as not as bad as that could have been either, but still. Right, but you sort of you know, uh, but yeah. I mean, you get the point I'm kind of going for here, which is like, yeah. hey, like it's kind of feels like the like slightly more socially acceptable version of like, what word are you not allowed to say? Like, what's the word you want to say that you're not allowed to? You know what I mean? Like when people are like, we can't say the things we want to say. But like, what's the thing you want to say? You know, because it's always the N word, right? Like, it's the answer is always the N word, and this feels like there's just slightly, just this tiny, tiny little slight hint of like, well, this this provides just enough cover, and just you know what I mean, and 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 Orientalism isn't quite doesn't it, it you know maybe doesn't gin up quite the same level of like community backlash as uh you know you know racism against african americans or something like that would to the point yeah. where like oh we can go cuz we're got, they're certainly not putting on minstrel shows you know what i mean like it's sort of it, it has this sort of feeling to me that it's like hmm right. is this just letting you get away with something that you feel like Boy, remember when we used to be able to do these kinds of things? Sort of, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm even, you know, I'm even on two lines because on the on the one hand, Gilbert maybe is using using this cover of Japaneseness that no one actually understands to say things about uh, English social mores. But on the other hand, maybe maybe that only happened. Oh, maybe it's only written like that because English social mores are actually all that Gilbert Sol- and Gilbert and Sullivan know. Uh, so that's of course what they get written as because they don't actually right. But yeah, it's like it's Japanese also possible like, thing, something that's actually in Japan. Right. It, uh, it 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 really. I can't ever sort of get over the fact that it's like, wow, why did you feel a need to like use a real place and wrap it in a veneer of this place, like? What benefit yeah. did it afford you? Well, clearly, it was a commercial benefit, right? Like, oh, wow, we can cash in on this craze, right? But it, it really, in the end, feels very like, huh, like, why why did you feel like you wanted to do this? And I can't ever really get over that 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 sort of hurdle. <laughs> I, I found pictures of the, the anime production again. Oh, no, what have you done? 
You're only making your own life worse. I'm sorry. This uh, I'm reading the article. Uh, this is a Madison, Wisconsin uh, portrayal. Uh, first off, because because this article is being written for a general audience, uh, when it talks about the anime inspiration, it specifically mentions Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. Right, of course. Whether or not the play itself was right, was it's actually like, you know anime. <laughs> yeah, the um, thing the kids are into. But I really love the phrase. Uh, it's like paragraph three. Uh, it's a redesign rooted in more than just creativity. The change was important because in recent years, traditional productions of the Mikado in Seattle and Providence, Rhode Island, have drawn negative attention. The racism, use of yellow face and orientalism is in such a staging detractors say, make it offensive. Somehow this isn't... <laughs> I, I love it. That. I love it. It's like, well, it's just a modern you know, version we've, of that, we've picked a new... We've picked our new orientalism that we haven't identified as orientalism yet. <laughs> Right, like, like you just, <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Oh, I love, I love, I love that kind of brain disease, though. It's so yeah. That that's I, I. So many people had to say to themselves, "Yeah, but we replaced it with anime characters, so it's fine." You know what I mean? Like it, it, it just like it's kind of like. Amazing that so many brains had to say to themselves, like, yeah, no, we, we fixed it. Because now, instead of 18th century or 19th century uh, tropes about Japan, about Asia and Japan specifically, we have 20, 21st century tropes about Asia and Japan in general, or specifically. Like, nobody, nobody, nobody's brain worked. And I find that truly beautiful. The director's justification, of course, was that uh, going back, you know, to what Gilbert was doing, you know, he's he's now dealing with the uh, the cultural stereotypes that you know, his audience is familiar with, right? Of course, performing in in portraying it as as anime, um, as Gilbert was at the time. Yeah, going back to a thing you said earlier, um, you know, your your allusion to Jonathan Swift. Uh, it would be, it's so easy for something like the Mikado to exist anywhere. Even, even if you just want to change its setting for a modern day production because you really want to do a modern day production. Um, you know, now. Yeah, you just uh, don't, you just don't, you, you know, you, uh, yeah. you can probably just get, you can probably even get away without changing even the names of the characters. Like, the names of the characters yeah. are, at this point are sort of so far removed from like, stereotypes of like Japanese names right. that you could probably like if you said it in a different setting I'm not sure anybody would even like notice right. or care right. it's really the fact that right. you just keep saying Japan and like the emperor of Japan yeah. over and over and over right, again right. while you do right. Orientalism that is, <laughs> like, that is part of the script right and even like the the Eric Idle one I mentioned earlier where where it's uh, dressed as if it is taking place in contemporary or in ni- like 1920s, 1930s England. Um, it's apparently uh, in the opening number, every time the chorus says Japan, they pull their eyes back. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Uh, That's why I'm saying. Like, there's like there's something, you know, and like I've, I've seen uh, like Asian American communities complain about this before. There's it's there's. Or like racism towards Asians and like and um and Orientalism in general is still just slightly more accepted. 
Yeah. To the point where, like, if you're famous enough or you're, like, cheeky enough about it, you can still get away with it or at least, like, have enough people supporting you that they can, like, shout down the people who are complaining and say people are just being too sensitive. Like, it's like, yeah, like, you really probably need to give yourself a lot of pause if you're going to do the Mikado. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you need to you need to think right. real long and hard, like, A, do we really need to do this one? B, is there a way we can change it to the extent where, like, literally it's not problematic anymore? Which, again, it is, because I read about productions that, like, radically altered the setting to the point where, like, it was the whole story was there, but you just, you picked a place and a group of people who, like, nobody would, like, think of yeah. as being, like, problematic, right? It's, like, it's not really that hard. There's the other side of the modern-day productions where, uh, like the Australian one I ran across, the setting, the scenery, the costuming really leans into Kabuki, which I think is even worse. Oh yeah. Like, well, yeah, I know because like you're you're never going to get around the fact that like you still have this is the core element, right? Like Right, right. The actual lines of the song. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, you're you're going to run into a serious problem there because you're still just do- well, and like and again, now you're doing something that's even more akin to blackface, right? Like you're really doing something kind of pretty fucked up there at that point, right? Now, if if some modern day like Kabuki uh, theater promoter wanted to like in Japan wanted to like have it rewrite it as a Kabuki play. That's a whole nother animal. You know what I mean? Obviously. Right. Like, you know, there's a, there's a way to do that. It's just not you. Whoever did that. You're not, you're not it. Just retire it. I don't know. I I mean, I really do think you probably, I mean, honestly speaking, you could probably just get away with retiring it because the problem is you're just going to keep running into the same problem. People want to be, yeah, want to be true to the original source and that's going to always lead them to just keep doing orientalism they're just gonna just gonna keep doing it because you want to be authentic it, it it's just gonna keep happening and it'll be happening in in new and unique horrors yeah basically <laughs> each, each time yeah as you know the the australian one and the and the the uh the anime one they are they're modern productions, you know. They're made within the last 10 years. They're made within, uh, you know. And, you know, it's it's obviously both of them show an intent that people knew about the criticism, you know. And one, you can, it's impossible not to. Know. Like, I mean, Just you don't even this. have to you, know about the criticism. You should have you your should own like, criticism. You look right? at it, like, you, you read be. the play and you're like, boy, howdy, this is real, this is real yeah. racist. Right. Uh, yeah. But, but to try and yeah, there's just this need to uh, redeem the past culture uh, is just let it be. Just let. Yeah, I mean that's in the end that's the real answer. Like it's it's okay. You can yeah. just let something. It's okay to like let go of, of yeah. some things. And we don't need you know. I'm not. I'm not saying we shouldn't stage Gilbert and Sullivan. Period. But this one, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. You come down to like, is this one so important that you can't let yeah. this one go? Because the other ones seem. Right. I don't know. I've not seen the whole play, so I don't know. Maybe they also are. But I assume they're more about yeah. changing individual lines rather than 
Like, oh, man, this whole thing is fucked. Yeah. But at this point, we also have, you know, at least 100 years of uh, scholars and aficionados justifying the existence of the Mikado as as parody or whatever. Right. And that, that's and that's you know, its whole, it really, whole it really thing. does muddy the waters at this. point. Right. And, right? and that's where, problematic. Right. Like you, you really yeah. run into a problem of like, oh, shit, there's this whole industry for whitewashing. Yeah. Fucking Gilbert, the, the, the Mikado to make sure that like it can just keep being done forever yeah yeah everything's stupid it is it really really is i hate it (laughs) (laughs) like yeah i mean in the end like i watched this whole thing and like it was kind of like i was i was generally kind of a little underwhelmed i would you know i had hope that maybe i would find something truly like redeeming in it that like i would be like oh man well it was worth it i mean there's funny jokes in it i'm not gonna say it's yeah yeah there's funny lines and and honestly well well there's a howdy do was a catchy song that i was humming for the rest of the day uh it was the first song (laughs) we're like halfway into it and that's the first song that actually caught my attention right 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 um but yeah uh I'm glad that it wasn't a bonus feature just because with all the the other plethora of bonus features on the Topsy Turvy DVD, uh, that would have been too much um, for one release. Uh, Mm. And I understand that from a criterion's perspective, even not, you know, even, you know, as someone who has tried to uh, watch all the bonus stuff as, as it's come to us, I don't always, um, but uh, adding that aspect to completion here, um, right. it's too much. And, you know, that's not how everyone consumes the Criterion Collection. It's not how anyone should consume the Criterion Collection, right. really. Nobody else but, is, uh, very few people are yeah. as, mani- as maniacal as we are uh, in terms of their <laughs> yeah. consumption. Yeah. Um, but it would have been, you know, it might have physically been too much to even be on one disc. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We were kind of talking about this at the beginning. I'm not sure how beholden they are to the needs of the DVD anymore at this point. Um, yeah. In the sort of history of Criterion, because, like, you know, we're pretty firmly, I think, into Blu-ray releases at this point as a sort of the, we the, are. the sort of hallmark, and then you might get a DVD as a sort of side feature or something. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it, I... I understand that from our perspective, it would have made a really burdensome bonus feature, but from the perspective of any other like normal human like watcher slash buyer, I think it would have been a very reasonable thing to put in there. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Instead, Criterion gets an extra spine number out of it, um, which you know it might have been a licensing thing too. You know, ultimately they, obviously whoever they're licensing Topsy Turvy from is not the same entity that they're licensing the Mikado from. So uh, right. there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons why things end up as separate discs in the Criterion Collection, honestly. And they aren't... I mean, all of them are ultimately capitalistic reasons, but right. they're not all necessarily just because the Criterion as a corporation went to make more money. I mean, um, I think it's fairly yeah. safe to say that 90% of the time, that's... Yeah. It's certainly They're certainly not going to lose money on, right, on right, a deal, right, right, right? If they can avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like Gilbert and Sullivan and the Mikado particularly are still popular enough that uh, 
Right. This being the one, the one DVD release of it. Uh, <laughs> but, but there is that, that joy that anyone who buys this because they really love the Mikado does get that bonus feature of Mike Lee saying, well, this really isn't just that. It's just not that very, very good. Right. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, the only, uh, the only commentary on the uh, Oriental elements are people justifying it yes. as far as the bonus features go here. So, Oi. um, yeah, but I think we could probably pull this to a close. Yeah, I think so. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I have a little list got cut. Uh, if they weren't going to change the lyrics, I don't know why. I they mean, weren't going to on the, the flip side, change uh, the lyrics, but also have Hitler in there. Yeah, yeah. The Hitler thing was actually funny, kinda. I mean, uh, hey, if you're gonna make an Orientalist piece of trash, at least tell people Hitler's bad too while you're at it. Yeah. Uh, I know, the, Do me the a camera favor. pan. The cameraman to a member of the chorus in like the chorus's garb, you know, just in the in the uh, the robes of their Japanese nobleman costuming. Also dressed as Hitler. Oh yeah, I <laughs> guess yeah. That's it was, yeah. That's it was, a fair point uh, about the whole. We we still have this weird Orientalist <laughs> theme to work with here. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Essentially, just they just put the mustache on some some random. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> now his hair was was also uh, like like Hitler's hair. Anyway, uh, yeah, we've been talking about the Mikado uh, from 1939, the first. Uh, film production of a Gilbert and Sullivan and there's been so many since then. Uh, so that's great. Yeah. Maybe just watch one that isn't the Mikado. Okay. Yeah. I'd say watch one that isn't racist, but I really don't know. Yeah. No, that's, that's my concern. I don't want to point anybody at any other ones because I've never seen any of them all the way through and it's like, Hmm. Yeah. Really hope. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't recommend anything because like probably they're all full bad, like weird racial (laughs) slurs. Yeah, maybe. Um, I bet someone is going to stumble across across this episode and send me an email about all of the things we're wrong about. I welcome those emails, please. please I I want to specifically say I'm not wrong. I uh, I don't check the email account that you'll send that to. Luckily for us, except for once every three months. And then so. I'll I'll probably in a weird fit of being bored or tired check the uh, iTunes reviews in like another two yeah. years. And me and Adam I, will joke briefly about how the fact that like yeah. people watch one ep- like listen to one and like for like their favorite movie and like oh man these fucking idiots are dumb and then never yeah. listen again. I find that I actually I, pattern. I only joke about that because I checked I checked that email account for the first time in a few months and we had received someone talking about the sweet smell of success and explaining how we are an idiots for not realizing the time frame that it was actually meant to be set in. Because we joked we joked that it could have been from the nineteen thirties to the nineteen fifties. And uh and they uh expounded on the reasons uh that it was definitely set in nineteen fifty six. Um they did not call us dumb. Uh they just explained it. And and again, I'm I'm very grateful for these emails. I I enjoy I'm very grateful for these emails to an account I never check. Uh you will always eventually get a hey thanks for writing response from me. That might even justify some of the stuff we're dumb about, if I want to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, but we're pretty dumb, and we, we that seems like a lot of work. Yeah. 
it is a lot of work. We are very dumb. Anyway, we're not even sorry we're not that even Gilbert and to Sullivan read the book for us. every movie based on a book that we watch. It's true. We're very it's true. lazy. That was a very dumb. I, I that's my favorite uh, comment we... ever. I can't. I'm never gonna let it go because the notion that we should spend like six months getting ready for every episode is awesome to me. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. It's a weekly podcast, fellas. We're not going to do it. I'm sorry that your pet issue isn't our pet issue, and your your pet racist musical isn't our pet racist <laughs> musical. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we have one somewhere, a pet racist musical, if we really I mean, it. I, uh, yeah. I Well, I accidentally discovered one I, that I didn't remember. Uh, oh, no? No. Did I ever tell you, like, <laughs> the other day, I, I was like, man, I need other Christmas movies to watch, right? And it's like, well, uh-huh. I like I like musicals. I vaguely remember Holiday Inn. I do not remember oh, no. Holiday Inn. I did oh, not no. remember Holiday Inn. I got into it, and I'm like, oh <laughs> fuck, I'm getting out of here. We got. I don't remember how far we got into it, but I I think we got maybe 15 minutes, and we're like, oh shit, <laughs> turning it off. February February is very early in the year. Yeah, yeah. As it turns uh, out, right? So you're like, oh boy, um, I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, is the prim. They set up the premise. And you get pretty far in. I I think I can't remember if there's a sort of mammy adjacent sort of character in there or not, but I think mm-hmm. there might be too. You don't get very far into the movie. You're like, I should fucking leave. So that's so as luckily it's not my pet musical because I was willing to never watch it again. Yes, indeed. Oh boy, ah uh, yeah. Well. Next week, we'll be talking about White Material, which is our first film from Claire Deneux. I've never really seen any any of her films. Not so me either. So. This, will be, this will be an introduction for me. This week, it's been the Mikado from 1939. Uh, we haven't even... I never even named the director. He's some guy named uh, Victor Schertzinger. We're never going to see him again. It doesn't matter. It's it fun. doesn't matter. We'll never see him again. Uh, he didn't really do anything else uh, film-wise that is of note. Uh, he was a composer himself, which is uh, the only reason that uh, the rights holders sort of favored him. Um, his parents were Amish, apparently, so that's something. Uh, right. But yeah. Uh, he wrote some other popular songs. And actually, he did direct, eh, maybe something of note, he directed the first two Road 2 movies. Road to Singapore really? and Road to Zanzibar. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. I um, find that amusing. So. I don't know that it's really actually funny, but I find it amusing. But we're not going to explore the rest of his film catalog right. at all, ever. Thank you so much for listening to Lost and Right Dearn. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Ovitari Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
This has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Ovatarik Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.